So today, anybody know what today is? Amen. Palm Sunday, good. Read a story, a little five-year-old boy was sick on Palm Sunday. He stayed home with his mom. His dad came home from church and he had a palm branch in his hand. And the little boy said, where'd you get that? He said, I got it at church. He said, they were giving those out at church today? He said, yeah. He said, you see, you know, Palm Sunday, Jesus, when he came into the city, people took down the palm branches. They waved at him. And so we all got a palm branch. He said, wouldn't you know it? The one Sunday I'm sick, Jesus shows up at church. <laughs> I really hope that's not 2911, right? I really believe he's here every Sunday, right? But sometimes we forget. Sometimes we get involved in the symbols and don't, don't, miss, don't miss this just because we have these symbols here today. This is a symbol of the living Savior who's here today. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of Holy Week. Holy Week is a term that a lot of Christian churches use. And it begins with Palm Sunday. This is the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a, on a donkey's colt. And, and he, he rode in Jerusalem. And crowds came. The whole city pretty much turned out into the streets to worship him. And they did. They took, they took palm branches down. They waved them at him. They laid them out in the street. And this was something they did, they did regularly. It wasn't, it wasn't just something they did for Jesus. It was something they did in honor. And so when they saw him, this was an honor to do this. It's like we give standing ovations at times. And so it would be like if Jesus walked in today and we gave him a standing ovation. Or we, you know, we do that all the time. Now, some of us probably fall on our face before him. We don't do that a whole lot in life. They were doing something that was normal to them, but it was a symbol of honor. And so that's why they did it, because this was a normal thing to them. Now, the next day was Monday. And on Monday, a lot, a lot of things are recorded in scripture that Jesus did. But the most significant, I think, is that Jesus went into the temple and he threw out all the money changers or the, the, the vendors that were there. Now, that does not mean that you can't have a bookstore in a church. That's what some people think that means. You should never have a book. Don't ever sell anything in church. You know, should never do that. That's not what that means. Because when Jesus, uh, he was running them out, he said, you have turned the house of prayer into a den of he didn't say a den of vendors or a den of entrepreneurs. He said a den of thieves because they were taking advantage of people. And so they were uh, basically people that had been traveling for a long time, coming to, the, to Jerusalem for the Passover week uh, that maybe couldn't bring animals with them. They were selling them animals. And it's kind of like, you know, you go, ever go to Six Flags, you know, or Disney World or something, you know, and, and I mean, that ticket to get in is one thing. But then, you know, the arm and a leg that they want for a Coke, you know, or a drink or something. And they, but they've got you, right? I mean, you gotta pay that $5 for a bottle of water if you're thirsty because that's all there is that is there. And so that's what they were doing and that's why Jesus ran them out. He ran them out, he said, he said you're just taking advantage of these people, so he cleaned out the temple. And then on Tuesday, there's, there, Jesus did a lot of teaching on Tuesday. Now here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew that he was gonna die in just a few days. And so on Tuesdays, if you look at scripture, you'll see he taught and taught and taught. Um, many people call it the Olivet Discourse as, as he spoke there around the Mount of Olives. And he, and he spoke and he talked and he taught and he taught and he taught. And then he went home. Now, these, these three days or so, Sunday through Wednesday, he was staying in Bethany with probably some friends. Bethany was like a suburb of Jerusalem. And so he would come to Jerusalem daily and then go home and, and spend the night with them. When he went home that night on Tuesday night, the, the most significant thing to me that happened on Tuesday is sometime late that night, Judas begins to, 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 uh, to finalize his agreement with the Sanhedrin to betray Jesus. Now, the Sanhedrin, they wanted to kill Jesus. 
But they saw these crowds on Sunday that were saying, Hosanna to the son of David and blessed to see, you know, and they were scared to try and take Jesus then. They figured they'd be, you know, killed by the mob. And so they, they bargained with Judas, Judas bargained with them for 30 pieces of silver, and he would take them to Jesus at a place and a time that it would be safe enough for them to arrest him, give him a trial, and crucify him. They already had this planned out, and it happened sometime late Tuesday night or Wednesday morning before sunrise. This is when this was going on. On Wednesday, it was a quiet day. There is virtually nothing written about what happened on Wednesday. It's like Jesus took a quiet day of rest. He just stayed in Bethany. Uh, from everything we know, he just stayed in Bethany all day long, probably because he knew his body was about to go through something so horrendous, so, so terribly terrific that, that he knew that his body had to have rest to be able to make it through. I, I don't know if you've ever seen some of the, some of the more recent movies, you know, uh, some of the old movies of, you know, they didn't quite get as graphic as some of the newer movies of, of the crucifixion of Christ and the passion of Christ. And if you watch some of those, I mean, there, there are times where you, you just have to close your eyes, wince, or like, oh, oh. Why? Because it was that terrible. It was that horrible. And the time that Jesus spent of that, that last 24 hours of, of his life here on earth before, before his death, that last 24 hours was a horrible time. And perhaps this was why Jesus took Wednesday to just rest because he knew his body would have to have the strength. And then Thursday was the beginning of Passover. It began, and that, that day they began to make preparations. He actually sent his disciples. He sent some to go and, and rent a room, take care of getting a room and to get everything set. And so that means they had to do exactly what's been done here. They had, to, they had to come and they had to set up. They had to have the bread. They had to have the... Then there was a lot of other things because the Passover was more than just the bread and, and, and the, the fruit of the vine. It was, it was more than just that. So they had to set all of this up. And then around about uh, uh, sundown that day, on Thursday, the day of, of Passover, they come together and they have the Passover, but Jesus changes it. You know, for, for a couple thousand years now, the Israelites have been recognizing Passover. The Passover was when, it was the time in in, uh, Egypt when God was going to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt and and the death angel came through and and was killing the firstborn in every every house. But God said, "If if you apply the blood of a lamb to your doorpost, the death angel will see that and will pass over. And they've been remembering this night for about 2,000 years. And this was, this, was, this was like a foreshadow. You know, you know kind of what I'm talking about? A foreshadow. Shadow normally is something that follows you behind. This was a foreshadow. This was something to show us Jesus that was coming. And so when, when Jesus got here and now he's showing this to his disciples, he takes some of the elements of the Passover and he turns this around and he, and he has with them, he institutes what we call communion or the Lord's Supper or the Lord's table, some will say also. And so this is where this comes from, but he changes it all around because what he's telling them is, no longer do you apply that, that, that lamb's blood to the doorpost, but you take my blood and you apply it to the doorpost of your life. And that's where salvation is gonna come. And so they have, the, they have this, and so this is, this is Thursday night of this week. This Thursday night will be the, the night of the very first communion that, that we recognize and we remember the very first communion of the Lord's Supper. And here, in this time, Jesus also 
Uh, he washes the disciples' feet. He tells Simon Peter, you're going to deny me tonight. And Simon Peter said, oh, no, I'll go with you all the way to death. And Jesus said, Simon Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning, before the alarm clock goes off. You're going to deny me three times tonight. He also talks about Judas betraying him. He doesn't call him by name, but he does everything except put a big red star on his forehead. I mean, read the scripture. I mean, he does, he does everything except say, this is the man. And it's like the disciples still don't really get it, what he's talking about. And then he dismisses Judas. He says, Judas, go do what you've got to do. You've got some business to take care of. Go do it. And he dismisses Judas. He says, they, they, sing, they sing a hymn. They sing a song. Now, when you say they sing a hymn, you read that in, in some version. You see hymn there that they sing a hymn. It is nothing like what you and I would sing. Okay, so don't get excited that they sang one of your favorite hymns. They, that, that's not what they sang. Uh, they sang a hymn. And they went out to the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus prayed there. And he prayed there. It appears from his language that he prayed there for an hour, came back and found his disciples asleep, woke them up. He says, come on, you got you to hang in with me here, guys. He knows, what, he knows what terrible times he is about to go through. He says, I got to have some help. I got to have some prayer here, guys. And he goes and he prays again. He says he, he prays the same thing. So perhaps he prays another hour and he comes back. The disciples are asleep. He goes and prays again and he comes back and he, and he wakes them up. Says, come on, guys, my time, it's my time now. We, we got to get ready. And when he does this third time, this is when Judas comes in and Judas, and, and Judas walks up and kisses Jesus on the cheek because it's middle of the night. And so, so that the Roman soldiers, maybe those who hadn't seen him yet, remember they didn't have Facebook, you know, you couldn't cyber stalk him and find out what Jesus looked like, you know, on Facebook. And so some of them didn't know exactly what he looked like. So Judas walks up and plants a kiss on Jesus' cheek. So all of the, all of the Roman soldiers know exactly who Jesus is and they run in and they arrest him. And then all of the disciples, it says, they all flee, they run, they leave Jesus behind. Well, they've all been asleep. They've just been awakened in the middle of the night. They've had like a home invasion right there in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's like, oh, wow, what's going on? And they all take off and they all run. My father-in-law, he used to, this was one of his favorite places of scripture that he used to talk to me about is he talked about this Garden of Gethsemane. And, and before he died, there were several times, especially me being a pastor, you know, he really wanted to challenge me in this is he talked about how what Jesus was doing in the Garden of Gethsemane that night before his death. It's just as Judas, two nights earlier, had bargained with the Sanhedrin for the price to betray Jesus. Jesus was bargaining with God and with Satan over what it would cost for your salvation. As one of the most awesome lessons, I think, that my father-in-law, something that I remember of him sharing with me that he poured into me over and over again, that on that last night, what would you do with the last night of your life? That Jesus was bargaining for your salvation. He was bargaining for your eternal soul. And the bargain, the bargain ended up being his own blood, his own body being destroyed on Calvary the next day. And so the rest of that night, you know what? Uh, I mean, I think we've got, yeah, we've got, uh, the next day is Good Friday leading up to that pretty much all night long. Jesus endures six trials. He's taken to the high priest and then he stands before Caiaphas and, and then uh, the, the Sanhedrin, the full Sanhedrin come together. They take him to Pilate and the Pilate sends him to Herod and Herod sends him back to Pilate. You know, a lot of things are going on all night long. Jesus doesn't get any sleep. The disciples are all scattered. Simon Peter is somewhere close enough to kind of just keep an eye on what's going on. But Simon Peter denies Jesus, just like Jesus said you would. He did. He denied him three times to make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself. And, and, and then Barabbas, that story of Barabbas, uh, you know, a, a thief, a murderer, uh, one of the insurrection, one of the rebels, he was released in the place of Jesus Christ. 
perhaps the very first one who had received Jesus' sacrifice in place for himself. And Barabbas was released. And then Jesus was condemned to die. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was given a cross and he had to carry it through the streets of Jerusalem, outside the city and, and up the hill. He, he fell two or three times until finally they said, okay, he can't carry it any further. And they found someone in the crowd, made him carry it. And they took him up to the top of Calvary and uh, they crucified him there about 9 a.m. in the morning. So this is what has been going on all night long, all of these, all of these trials. Judas hangs himself at this time when, when he realizes Jesus has been condemned. And Jesus is crucified. And while he's hanging there on the cross from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., people come by and they mock him. They, uh, they joke with him. Yeah, you said you were something. Now show us really who you are. Even, even the, 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 the two criminals on either side of them, one of them was mocking him. and says, well, if you're really the son of God, get us down from here. And the other one said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I tell you truly, you're going to be with me in paradise today. And Jesus looked out at the crowd and all these people mocking him and the, the, the religious coming by and mocking him, the soldiers gambling for his robe. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus looks and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They really don't understand the gravity of what they're doing. At some point, Jesus, is, it, it, it's become because of he's, he, he, as God, has come in the flesh as man. And the flesh is just, I can't do this anymore. He, he looks up in the heavens and the, the Hebrew there is something like, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is interpreted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You remember, like my father-in-law said about 12 hours ago, Jesus was bargaining for you, and this was the cost, this was the price that Jesus was going to have to pay for your salvation, is that you could be with him now and for eternity. Until finally, about 3 p.m. that afternoon, Jesus says, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit. His spirit was released from his body. And I've often thought many, many times, Satan thought he had Jesus right where he wanted him, but really... It was a whole lot easier to control Jesus when he was in that human body than it was when that body died and the spirit of Jesus was released again from this humanity. Because the word of God says that the sky grew black, that there was a great shaking and earthquake even, that the temple veil was torn from top to bottom so that now there is no separation, that, that it's not just one high priest that can go in one day a year into the presence of God and, and, and make our petitions known to God, but now that, that, that veil is torn down and we can all go before God right now. Satan thought he had it bad when Jesus was walking around healing people, but now Jesus is released from that human body that he had put himself in for 32 or 33 years, and now he's turned loose and, and the earthquake happens and it says that graves are open and over the next several days people that had died many years before saints of old are seen walking around in the city of jerusalem okay now i know we're talking about some weird stuff here and, and some people saying i don't know if i believe all that well you believe all that junk on tv and you can't believe that if the son of god dies on a cross of calvary that all of heaven and all of earth and even yes even hell is going to shudder at the fact that the son of god has just died amen yes and we can praise him Joseph of Arimathea goes and asks for Jesus' body. He says, it's not right. We, 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 can't have, we can't have dead bodies hanging on a cross 
during the Sabbath. Their Sabbath begins at sundown on Friday night. And so he goes and asks, and they hurriedly take Jesus' body. They don't even have time to do the proper uh, ceremonial washings and, and, and the anointing of the spices. Uh, the lady said, we'll, we'll come and do that after the Sabbath. And so Joseph of Arimathea, he, he and Nicodemus, they take the body of Jesus and they hurriedly wrap him up and they take him to a borrowed tomb. And they roll a stone in front of the, in front of the tomb. And for the, next, the rest of that night and the whole next day, Saturday, until Sunday morning, Jesus lays, his body lays in that tomb. I don't have time to get into this part, but it's just his body that lays in the tomb. The word of God says that he goes into the pits of the earth. He goes into the place of the dead and he preaches who he is that I am now come. I said I didn't have time for this. <laughs> he tells David that wrote all those wonderful Psalms about him. I'm the one that you were looking for. He tells Moses that led the Israelites out of Egypt, the one who first told them about that Passover and said, apply the, apply the blood of the lamb. He tells Moses, Moses, I am the lamb. And now that I have been slain and my blood has been spilled, there will never have to be another lamb shed because I've paid for every sin. And he tells every one of them that. And then on the third day, oh, I need to throw this in also real quick is that Jesus was under heavy guard. The Jews, they were scared. The Sanhedrin, they were scared the disciples would steal his body. And you know what? Sometimes we get all worried when the world starts taking extra precautions of, of ways that they want to squeeze us into some mold or something so that we can't do what God has called us to do. They want to pass laws and tell us that we can't do what God has called us to do. But, you know, we, we don't need to fear those kinds of things because what actually happened when, when, when they set those, when, when, when Pilate and Herod set those, those guards over, over the tomb there. You know what, what really happened that day? It, it made us be able to say today that there is evidence. The guards were there. The disciples did not steal his body. This little ragtag group of fishermen and common men, they didn't go in against armed guards and steal the body of Jesus. He was guarded, but it was a heavenly it's a heavenly move of, of God's angels that showed up and rolled the stone away and Jesus, out of his own power, got up on the third day. And he was risen on the third day. And here's the thing, is we need to remember that, that, that Easter is not about the cross. Easter is about the tomb that is empty today. Easter is not just about the sacrifices of what he has done for you to buy your salvation. <laughs> Easter is about the tomb that... He's walking you out of the tomb, out of the grave that you're in. Some of you today, you're bound by so many things. You're bound by sin. You're bound by temptations. You're, you're bound by addictions. You're bound by family that just wants, wants to crush you. You're bound by people around you. You're bound by the things of life. I mean, we just need to be released, right? Let me tell you, Jesus, he's already rolled the stone away. And, and because he stepped out of the grave on that third day, you can step out. He wants to lead you out of your grave and your tomb today. And he can't... By the blood that he shed at the cross of Calvary on Friday morning. And on that day, that'll be next Sunday, Easter. In case you're wondering, we have, we have a, like a solar calendar, right? I mean, ours is all about the sun, right? And so, you know, days and birthdays, they, they change every year which day they fall on. But the Jews, they have a lunar calendar, and so that's why Easter is always on a Sunday. Passover is always on a Thursday night. That's why it's always, 
the day, Palm Sunday, that Jesus, we can always remember it on a Sunday because it's a lunar calendar and it fits that way. Next Sunday is Easter. And what we're remembering is we're remembering that day that he got up out of the grave. And on that day, that day, he made five appearances, okay? And, and, and the appearances he made, he, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to the other women. You remember me saying about those women said, look, we'll, we'll come bring the spices later. They came on Sunday morning to bring the spices and Jesus wasn't there, but he appeared to them. And then Jesus also appeared, appeared to uh, Simon Peter all by himself. And then later he appeared to the disciples, all but two. Judas, who hanged himself on Friday, right after Jesus was, was condemned to die. And Thomas, who just happened to not be in the room when Jesus showed up. You remember doubting Thomas? He, did, he doubted them at first because he, so Jesus appeared to those 10. Now that's four. There's one, more, there's one more time that Jesus appeared on that day that we have record of. There's one more time that Jesus made himself known to people that they would know he was Jesus. And that's one I want to, I want to read to you about real quick, if we can. And it's on the, what we call the road to Emmaus. All right? And the book of Luke, chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. I'm going to read several verses here, so hang with me. Catch this story, all right? This is, this is important to our communion today. Now, that same day, two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Pretty good walk, huh? They were talking with each other about everything that had happened over the last three days. This is on Easter. This is, this is right after Christ was resurrected. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, Jesus asked. And so they started telling him, they're, they're like, incredulous, are you serious? You've got to be the only person who's been anywhere around Jerusalem and doesn't know what's happened the last three days. Doesn't know about Jesus Christ being crucified. Doesn't know about that. And now they're saying that he is resurrected, that his tomb has been opened and his body is not there and he's come back to life. You've got to be the only person that is there. And then Jesus, he kind of chides back at him. He kind of teases him a little bit. And he says, you should have known this was going to happen, guys. Look at all the scriptures, the, what we call the Old Testament. Look at all the law and the prophets is what Jesus would have said to them. He said, all these things had to happen to the Messiah. He didn't say to me. He didn't tell him who he was just yet. He says, all these things had to happen to the Messiah. You, you, you should have seen this coming. I mean, you, you tell me that I don't know what's going on. He said, I'm, I'm telling you, you guys don't know what's going on. And uh, then in the next verse, he says, the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. But he still didn't say, this is what had to happen to me. He said, this is what has to happen to the Messiah. And as they approached the village, Emmaus, to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he taught with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Something I want you to point out that was on that page. You can go ahead if you want to, Tommy. But on that page, a couple things that Jesus explained. He started explaining all the things that were happening. And then he reminds them, and then they remind each other. They said, our hearts burned 
when he was talking to us and sharing things with us. Oh, wow, why didn't we see it then? And they got up. Now, they were on their way to Emmaus. And, and it, was, it was evening time, and they talked Jesus into spending the night. But now that this has happened, and Jesus has appeared to them, they, they get up and they return at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the 11, everybody but Judas, and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Just like he said, Simon said that he, had, he really has. And then the two told the disciples what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. They didn't recognize Jesus until he broke the bread. That's important. Let me share a couple of stories with you and, and, and try to wrap up, if I can, real quickly here today. Kristen Sanders, who is a, a children's pastor in Ohio, I was reading, and I've been saving this for today. I read this some time ago, and I've been saving this for today to share this story with you. When she was on a missions trip to, to Jerusalem, the old city, as they were walking through, her guide, Nader, uh, he, he, he would point out to them, they would sometimes pass, and he would point out to them bread, little pieces of bread in different places, maybe on a ledge, maybe on, a, uh, on an electrical box outside of a house somewhere, just, just in various places. Now, there's... there's Two stories that are the background of the history to this. Here, here's the first one goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, it, it, it was considered a religious responsibility to feed the poor. It's not a question, are we going to? God said, if you have poor among you, feed them. Make sure. Now, he also says, and I don't have time to preach this, but uh, you, know, you might want to give me an amen, but you, I don't have time to preach it. But he also says in Scripture that he that doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Okay, so Jesus isn't talking about those that just don't want to work, but he says those who aren't able to do any better for themselves and they're poor, feed them. And even, even those parents that aren't willing to weep, their kids, they still deserve to be fed, so feed them. It's considered a religious responsibility. It is a duty to us as followers of God according to the Old Testament law, and Jesus didn't do away with the Old Testament. He fulfilled it in himself. And so it's our religious duty to make sure the, that the poor have something to eat. If there's somebody hungry, feed them. But here's what's happened in today's Jerusalem with the Christians that are there. Because of, of this story that, we, that we've read, about the, the Emmaus walk and, and, and these two disciples uh, outside of the, the original 12, these other two disciples, because Jesus had a lot of disciples, he had just had those 12 that were real close to him. But of these disciples, because of this story and how they, they recognized Jesus in the breaking of bread, Bread is so important to the Christians of Jerusalem today that if they see, they won't throw it away. That the, the Jews won't even throw it away because of that. That they will actually many times put it in a plastic bag, like a Walmart bag. You know, we have Walmart bags. And when they're taking their trash out, they will tie that bag out somewhere close to the trash can or the trash bin, so that if somebody that is poor is walking by and needs something to eat, they can take that and then when the you know, when the, the, the garbage collectors come by, they, they will throw the bag away if nobody has eaten that, but they won't throw it away. And so the Christian Jews of today, they do the same thing, except in a different ways. When they're walking down, uh, down the street, and if they see a piece of bread on the ground, they'll pick it up and they'll put it on a ledge. Or they'll put it on that electrical box. Or they'll place it in some place out of sight because bread is so precious. Because this is, this is, it's the staple of life that God has given to us. It is so precious. And because that 
Jesus introduced himself that day in Emmaus to these two men because he revealed himself and who he was, even though their hearts were ready to maybe burst out of their chest because of what he had said. He actually finally revealed himself through the breaking of bread. Bread is so precious to them, they will not allow it to be trampled underfoot. And so they pick it up and they put it somewhere. And they just, they just get it off the ground. And, and maybe they're leaving it for somebody or maybe they're just making, oh, we can't let bread be, because bread symbolizes Jesus Christ. This bread, this precious bread of life, it is so precious. And everyone who does not have it deserves the opportunity to have a bite of this bread. I'm not talking about this bread. I'm talking about the bread of life. Everyone who is not deserves the opportunity to receive it. In just a few moments, I got one more slide I'm going to throw at you here, but just a few moments after this, I'm going to invite you down to partake of communion with us. But I want you to go beyond the bread and the juice. And what I pray for you today is that you truly experience Jesus in the communion. That you experience him and who he is and all he is and all he's done, all that he wants to do for you. Just like those two disciples on their way to Emmaus that were like, oh, didn't our hearts burn? I want your hearts to burn today. I, I pray that your hearts burn today as you think about the sacrifice and what he did and, and how he wants to feed you, not just a little bit of bread, not just a taste of bread today, but how he wants to feed you and fill you. I pray you experience that. Because it, it, it really, you know, he didn't come just so you could have a one-time experience with him. He gives us bites of bread all the time, doesn't he? I mean, yeah, and sometimes this, I think this is one of the mistakes we make in trying to, to bring someone to true life change. We bring them to God or we bring them to the church and we say, okay, God, now they're yours. And he said, no, 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 no. Now you got to help me continue to feed them. Don't just bring them for one bite. None of us. None of us today have made it off of one bite of bread, one bite of Jesus, one serving of who he is. Because we come back, don't we? We come back to him in prayer. God, I got a need. We come back to him in our struggles. God, I, got a I need some help here. We come back to him when we get tired. God, I'm tired. I don't know if I can make it anymore. We come back to him, fellowship. I, I just need somebody to encourage me a little bit. So, Somebody give me a scripture. Somebody teach. Somebody tell. We come back to him in song. And we lift up. And, and he just keeps giving us little bites of bread. Fresh bites of bread. Every day. They're always there. And so, so here, here's the thing. Okay, listen. I'm praying that you are instrumental in helping someone receive true life change this year. Let me tell you something. It, it's not going to happen just on Easter Sunday morning. There's got to be some follow-up. They've got to have fresh. And you know what? Here's the thing. Is they don't know where to find it. it the, Kristen Sanders, she said that, the, that the, the, the guide had to point it out to them. He'd seen it so much, he knew right where it was. But she didn't. The rest of the people in her crowd, they didn't know where the fresh. But after he started pointing out, then they, they could find, oh, there's some, there's some. And that's the way this person that God has laid on your heart. Uh, the first Sunday of this sermon series, we counted eight, over 800 people, 817 people that we know that God wants to lead us to, to, bring, to, to bring them to true life change. And it's going to be more than, it's going to have to be, let me show you another bite over here. 
And next week, let me show you another bite over here. And, 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 and look here, here, let me just show you. You see, sometimes you, you, you may kind of, I don't know, did you ever get, when you were in school and some of you are still in school, did you ever almost sometimes feel like you showed up to class one day and y'all were discussing something that had nothing to do with anything else you'd discussed in any class you'd ever been in? And I think that's the way a lot of people approach church is they see all these things are so disconnected and like, oh, we're going to do this today. Oh, we're going to do this next week. Oh, we're going to do this. No, I want you to see these things that are on our calendar, the things, these are the fresh bites of bread that your church is helping you prepare and doing everything we can to make it so easy on you that a lot of times all you got to do is say, hey, go with me to so-and-so. Let me just show you real quickly. Easter Sunday's next Sunday, April 5th, Divergent. Next Sunday, two services, 9 a.m. and 10.30. We need half of you to come at 9 a.m. and bring somebody with you, fill up the place. Okay, 9 a.m. and 10.30. And, and, and then uh, the Elijah Chronicle starts next, uh, the, the following Sunday. We're going to show that same video again, unless we tweak it, make it a little bit better. Uh, but we're going to show that same video and try to encourage them, hey, come back. Because, and and this, this Elijah Chronicle series is something very, very important for everyone who is trying to walk with Jesus Christ. You need to be here. And small group, I mean, they need to join a small group now. We had someone come to a small group this past Thursday night that had not ever been to a small group so far in two months, okay? But they start. It's okay to start in the middle and encourage them. Say, go with me to a small group. Church 101 is April the 12th, that afternoon at 3 p.m. Membership Sunday is April the 19th. Perhaps some of those are gonna be just like, wow, and, and say, I gotta be a part of this church. It's gonna be this quick for them. And connect is April 29th. That's on a Wednesday night. It's at 6.30 and it's here. And, and you need to be here because this is not just something for them. This is something for all of us. It's for all of us to connect. Connect with people, connect with our passion, and connect with our purpose. That, that's what the meaning of the connect thing is there. And then water baptism on May 17th, we had it on May 3rd, but there was a conflict here, and so we're gonna bump over to May 17th. So water baptism. And if you've never been baptized in water, that is a public display and testimony of what Jesus has done for you. Just like this is a, is a display or a symbol, that's a symbol as well, and, it, and, it's, and it's important. First steps devotions. Um, if, you go to the, if you go to the uh, Sundays page, there's a link there, and you can, you can click on that link and just say, send me first steps devotion. If you've never gotten these, you need to get these. It's, for, it's 21 emails, daily emails that you get that just help you take those first steps. You know, I know some of you, you, you're not new Christians, but you need, the, you need the reminder. But the main reason that's there is for those new Christians. And when your family member or friend or classmate or coworker begins to try and take some steps, say, here's what you need. We'll, we'll tell them about that next week. But there it is that you, you can just give them, tell them to send that, and they'll start getting that. That'll help them. Here's the thing that the first step is going to help them. It's going to help them start seeing those pieces of bread for themselves. But you got to help them see all these and in personal devotion to prayer, you know, and just, just help them when they, when they have questions and say, you know, just, I don't know. I don't really know how to pray that well either. All I do is I talk to God. I mean, just that kind of a stuff, you know, and, and one of the things with personal devotion is tell them about a Bible app. First steps will tell them about that as well. But you can tell them about a Bible app that they have on their phone and they're carrying the word of God around with them on their phone every, every single place, every place they go, every day that they live. They're there. You just got to just point them out. We're working hard as your church to make it easy on you to just point out the pieces of bread. Just point them out. Because this bread, this precious bread, it is for everyone, every day. And if you missed any of this, you're taking notes, you go to the Sunday's page, it's all there. If you want the list and you weren't taking notes, go to the Sunday's page later and it's all there. But this bread, the bread of life, is for everyone. Every day. 
What we celebrate here is not the beginning of our salvation. We celebrate the bread of life that is new every day. For every problem you have, for every struggle you have, for every need that you have, this bread of life is for every one of you every day. And I want you to experience his presence today in the most awesome way that you ever have. I'm asking God to do that for you today. So can I...